Good evening, everyone. I am Jay Danae, the creator and host of Mind of a Prophet. It is a privilege to be joined by my friend, Mr. Otis Reynolds, student, teacher, aspiring Bible scholar, and one of the dopest football players I know. So thank you so much for joining me, Otis. If there's anything I've missed in this introduction, please feel free to tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Um, well, hello, Jay. Um, I know I'm thankful to be on here. It's a privilege for you to have me. Um, is there anything you've missed? Uh, I don't even know. I'm Lance Otis. I'm from England, uh, 23 years old. Um, when, when Jay said football, just to acknowledge, we don't mean American football from England. We mean football with the ball on the floor, meaning soccer. But obviously, we call it football. And in America, you guys call it, you know, soccer. So just to clarify that. But hello. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Thank you for that introduction, Otis. <laughs> so I want to start by asking just a little bit about your history prior to God. So just tell us a little bit about how you were, who was Otis Reynolds before he was introduced to God? Oh, who was Otis Reynolds? Okay, I was, ah, I, was a lot, <laughs> I was a lot of things. I was um, someone who only cared about himself um i was someone who was a liar i was someone who i was the naughty kid i was the naughty kid in school i was the naughty kid um pretty much wherever i went i get into fights um occasionally i'd bully some people um i was yeah i was just that person i was just the the person who was i guess was popular at school um for the wrong reasons um you know i was uh, obviously, yeah, playing football at the time, and you know, at school, a lot of people who play football are automatically just popular and stuff. And obviously, I had a label, and because you know, because I'm brown skin, I'm light skin, we get this title anyway. And I kind of lived to that title. Um, I've been a, a generic light skin, so um, yeah, I was I was someone who wanted attention. I was vain, taking a lot of pictures. That was me. Like I was that person. I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be out there. I wanted to impress. I wanted to um, be the center of attention. Um, yeah, I guess that, that was me. I was, I was that guy. Okay. So did you live in the kind of house where um, faith was a big deal? Uh, okay. So I was raised in a Christian home. Um, I was raised in a Christian home by my mom. Uh, my dad passed away when I was five years old. So my mom raised me and my sister. I have two other half brothers, but um, that's with another mom, the same dad. So in my household, it was just me, my sister, my mom. And yeah, my mom raised uh, me and my sister to be Christian people. We went to church every Sunday. Obviously growing up at the time, I wasn't really interested. Um, I really wasn't interested. I would just go because mom forced us to go. Um, even when I was young, though, I did have I did have different encounters, but I didn't know what they were at the time. So I was just continually just going to church. I wanted to play football on Sundays, but mum said no until I was 14, 15. And then she gave me an option if I still wanted to uh, go to church or play football because we used to complain about it a lot. So, yeah, I was raised in a Christian, a Christian household. Yep. What made you finally decide to develop your own relationship with God? Okay, so I always knew God was real, not only because I was raised in a Christian household, but I also, as I said, I had encounters. So 
uh, when I was younger growing up, I used to have dreams of um, me. Uh, it was like me. It was like a battlefield. It was like there was God and it was Satan. And it was like, as I know now, it was like the end times. It was like a battle and uh, people were saying, oh, come over here. Here's God. Here's God. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, no, this is the real God. That's a counterfeit. It's the counterfeit. And um, or a lot of people who went to the other side perished. And obviously that goes back to the scripture. The enemy comes as an angel of light. But I didn't understand that at the time. But I kept having that reoccurring dream of people dying, going to uh, the other God that looked like our God, but it wasn't. Um, so I had that, that dream quite often. I had dreams about... Um, angels i had dreams like different angels walking past me uh, looking at me and different things like that growing up so i always knew god was real uh, when i was younger but obviously as you grow up and in school and in today's society you know it's so easy to just get off track and it's so easy to want to be the the person that people want you to be so i kind of lived up to that so when i was 18 um i felt a void in my heart because at this point i stopped going to church i knew god was real but I was just clubbing, having fun, enjoying myself. And uh, well, I thought I was at the time. Um, and I kept doing all that kind of stuff. And I had this void in my heart. And I knew it was God, but I didn't know what to do. So I picked up a job at Nando's. And there was this girl that I met there. And she invited me to go to church. And to be honest with you, my motive at the time wasn't to go to church for God. It was to go to church for the girl, to impress the girl. So, yeah, so I went to church. And Bishop John Francis, who um, is in charge of Ruach Ministries, that when Bishop was talking, that moment changed my whole life. I remember I was at the back of the church and when he was speaking, you know when a bishop or a pastor or an apostle or prophet is speaking, but not directly to you, but you know the message is for you. I was that person and I was just rocking backwards and forwards in my seat. And Bishop then called everyone out to touch everyone. And uh, when I went up, he got, he got the oil and he touched me and everything like went black. Like he touched me and I, I couldn't see. I, I don't know what happened. But I couldn't see for a bit, for like a two seconds, three seconds. I, people said I was stumbling and stuff. I just remember I couldn't see. And I remember hearing a whisper saying, your past is over now go and live for me. And then my eyes opened again. And ever since that moment, I changed my whole entire life because every question that I had, uh, questioning if God was real that voice that I heard was so distinct and so real that it made me literally do a 180 with my whole life with my friendship groups and what I was doing and at that moment that's when I decided okay let me let me fully have this relationship with God and let's see where it goes right how difficult was it for you to break away from what you knew for so long and what you had tied to your identity after you submitted to God yeah, that was that was a challenge. There were certain things like I would be the person who would go to clubs every weekend uh, just to enjoy myself, just for girls, to dance uh, with my boys, you know, doing lad stuff, I'd like say, today's society. Um, I used to be that person. So when I gave my life um, to, to Jesus that time, I stopped going clubbing and my friends would be like, come on, you're being so boring, come out. And obviously just because you give your life, it doesn't mean that you're fully transformed. You know, that's when the transformation process begins. So when they're telling me, come on, let's go out. 
obviously I still want to do it, but now it's a thing where now because I'm having a relationship with Jesus, what I now have to do is who am I putting first? What am I putting first? What do I want to, uh, what, what am I going to gain more in uh, whichever decision I'm going to make? So it was hard. Had I lost some friends, not even some friends. I lost a lot of friends. Um, literally they just shrunk, but, um, yeah, it really was a process. It, it really was, a. Uh, a hard thing for me to stop doing I don't think it was too tremendously hard but in certain areas it was definitely hard right I think that's some something that people tend to I guess disregard when it comes to salvation and submission they believe that when you submit to God you can still hold on to so many of the old parts of you or things that you held on to for so long that made you and that just shows you that you're not really submitted because you're not Mm -hmm. willing to drop everything that kind of blocked you from having that strong intimate relationship with God so I'm glad you mentioned that uh, and we're transparent about the difficulty in that and even with that point like there was it's crazy because before you have a relationship with Christ, everything that you experience in your life or the hurt or the pain or the rejection, um, how people see you, all of that in one, that molds you into the person you are to that date. It's only when Jesus comes into your life and literally shows you a mirror and shows you a light. And he also shows you who he wants you to be. You start to realize, whoa, this isn't actually who I am meant to be. This is me. Uh, this is someone who I have created or someone that people has created and I have accepted their idea to fit into society instead of fitting into God's kingdom. So literally trying to unravel the, the pain and the bandages, seeing all these wounds, like, like I was someone who was very defensive. I was a very defensive person. Um, I couldn't, I wasn't someone who could be corrected unless you was my football coach because growing up without a father, I wasn't used to a certain level of discipline. Mm-hmm. So as I was growing up and people would try correcting me, I was just answering back. I was just so defensive. I was that person, but I didn't realize that stemmed from a root of rejection for being rejected so much. I really felt like I had to defend myself, but I didn't realize that. I just thought that was a trait that I needed to work on. So mm-hmm. it, it's crazy how, you before Christ and you after Christ, when you look at who you used to be to who you are now, it's quite, it's, it's, it literally blows my mind. And I think that's why I have such a love for people and I have such a love to help people because I see them in their state that they're in, but I also see how God wants to use them. So, you know, that's why I just love encouraging people because I've been through it. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to feel like you're the man. I know what it's like to feel like you're the popular one. I know what it's like to um, be the one everyone loves, but no one wants to be hated. And I feel like that's the decision when you say accept Christ that, that you have to accept that there will be parts that people won't like. People will tell you you are boring. People will tell you that, you know, uh, you're different. People will tell you that you're soft because someone who hasn't been loved becomes hard because we know love breaks walls. So you know that people who are hard haven't had love either in their household, with their friends, but Jesus Christ brings true, genuine love. So, so yeah, said a lot, but yeah. No, that was really, really good. <laughs> uh, so can you tell me about the moment where God revealed to you your mantle and your purpose? Oof. Uh, okay, so 
Okay, so I guess when I got saved at 18, um, I wanted to then figure out who am I, who is Otis Reynolds, not just the characteristics, but I guess the mantle. And am I part of the fivefold? Am I not? Uh, you know, there's so many different questions and people who don't know what the fivefold is, apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors. I didn't know if I was part of that. I didn't know if I was part of a whole different uh, sector. So um, I guess I found out because I kept getting different prophecies by so many different um, leaders that I really look up to. And, you know, they were telling me, you know, that you have strong prophetic giftings. And that's how it began, that you're a seer, that you're a dreamer, uh, that you're going to nation, all this kind of stuff. Okay, so I'm hearing, I'm hearing these things, but in myself, you know, I still don't know who I am. So I remember... I remember one service stood out in particular. Uh, the church is called New Covenant Ministries in Birmingham. My leader, my apostle, my spiritual father, literally, he prophesied over to me. I remember he was in church and he called me out and he asked me to pray over someone. And as I was praying over this person, it was like, and I was prophesying over this person, sorry. It was like, for some reason in that moment, I just knew everything about them and I started to feel this tingly feeling at the time which I realized later it was the anointing all over me and I didn't understand what was going on and after I prophesied over the lady at the time uh Apostle Emmanuel turned to me and he basically just prophesied over me and you know he revealed the the prophet um the prophet that God's called me to be and as soon as Apostle Emmanuel said that my leader said that you know, I start to go different places and then I'm, I'm starting to hear everyone now say this, uh, God has called you to be a prophet. God has called you to be a prophet to the nations. God has called you to go around the world. God has called you to be a prophetic voice. Um, and that's how, that's how it began. That's how I started to realize, okay, I'm a prophet. And then as time went on, I started having dreams about people. I started knowing things I guess I shouldn't know about people. Some things private, some things personal. Um, I started having dreams about uh, the government. I started having dreams about the American government. I started having dreams about the land and how the land is going to change. And I, I didn't understand uh, at the time why I was getting all those things until I put everything together. And um, that's when I realized um, that God has called me to be a prophet and a prophetic voice to the nations. Wow. So, yeah. did, did it take you a while to kind of accept that about yourself? It, do you know what? I think because me personally, I wanted to know so bad and it took me so long to, to, to actually get that confirmation. Um, I got to, to actually get that confirmation. Oh, just to say, sorry, just to say as well, it wasn't just people that confirmed it. it was the word of God also confirmed it to me many times. There were so many times where I was meditating with God and God would tell me to read this scripture or God would highlight certain scriptures to me and it would be the particular scriptures of certain prophets in the Bible. At, at, the, at the time, again, as I, I was on trying to understand this walk i didn't understand why there was always certain people in the bible that god would refer me to or certain people god would want me to study in the bible and as time went on that's when i um realized but your question was what sorry say that again sorry did it take you a while to accept that once it was revealed to you do you know what it didn't take me a while because i, I took me so long to know but i think when i accepted it it came a thing where wow now i know <laughs> like do I really want it <laughs> kind of thing because it's a thing where I think everyone gets excited about oh, what am I who am I um part of my pastor am I a prophet am I evangelist and you know it's immature thinking because 
at the time of you wanting to know who you are, because to everyone, it all sounds cool being an apostle. It sounds great being a pastor, being a prophet, being an evangelist, being a teacher. But the weights and the things that you have to go through just literally because that's what God has called you to be yeah. is so much stress. It's so much hurt. It's so much uh, feeling alone. You know, yeah. there's so many different times in the Bible, as we know, Elijah hid in the cave and he didn't want to uh, come out. God called him out the cave. That's just one of many examples of, um, you know, pr prophets not wanting to do. Jonah's another one. God told Jonah to do something to go to uh, Nineveh, but, but Jonah went the other way because there's, there's, a, there's a certain pressure and there's a certain thing. You might not want to do certain things as uh, a prophet of God, as an apostle of God, as an evangelist. But for example, who would want to be an evangelist uh, in, and get like beer poured over them, get, who get beaten up? Even martyrs who die for the name, it's not an easy thing to do. It's really not. Right. So um, as in my, in my understanding, as I was growing up in understanding of who I was and who I am, and I accepted the call of a prophet, I realized, okay, this is really not easy. Really not. But it's, it's a very, very beautiful thing at the same time. Yes, I agree. I, I just, I wanted to go back to something you said about how people just feel so, it feels so good to finally, you know, learn or put a name to exactly what you are if you are part of um, the fivefold or whatever God has called you to do. It, it feels good, but there's always that moment where you have to decide if you are willing to experience, like, the trials that come with it, the heaviness that comes with it, because every call comes at a cost. And yeah. everything that, every purpose is always going to have a challenge tied to it. And you have yeah. to be willing to um, kind of endure the strain that comes through all of that and before you're able to fully walk into it. Because there is a process to every call. It's not just, yeah. prophet, yes, I'm a prophet, and then that's all you do for the rest of your life is just proclaim that you're a prophet. No, you have to go through warfare. You have to build your faith. You have to kill your flesh. Yeah. And, yeah. I just really believe that people need to understand that first before they become so excited about putting a label on themselves. A hundred percent. And yeah. even even on that, like there's so many things that I guess I've had to see or or go through, as I said, because of it, like for example, um, even when I, I got saved and I accepted um my call and my relationship with God, um I started to have so many encounters with different devils and different demons that would literally come visit me in my room with different agendas on what to do with me. It would either be to torment me mentally or to try and act sexually upon me in my bed. And, you know, there are different, I'm not saying that this doesn't happen to people who aren't called, but what I'm saying is there's a certain measure uh, depending on, on who God has called you to be. And that was just something I guess I really had to go through. Um, because of who God has called me to be. And there's certain stuff that people wouldn't know, stuff like that, because not everyone shares their business. Everyone, not everyone is tr as transparent as they need to be. Not, I really believe if a lot more prophets and apostles and people in general, the body of Christ, the church, the ecclesia, like if, if the whole church was just as transparent, I'm telling you, so much more people would be saved. But the problem is that so many people just want to look like an image instead of actually looking like a real transparent thing. It's why there's so many people that should be saved that aren't. They could only get so far, but they don't get uh, straight through the door. And I really believe that's because there's been a lack of transparency in the church. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So much. And I, I think that's just, it is a terrible 
representation of what God's desires actually are. To I think I really believe that transparency is what builds a bridge between people who aren't fully aware of who God is and, and the people who have a strong history with him and are very seasoned. And so when they just decide not to be transparent and just only want to showcase that part that everybody enjoys, it kind of presents like this facade. Yeah. And then once people actually start to, like, when I say people, I mean, like, fresh Christians start to experience everything else that goes with having a relationship with God, like warfare and having to trust him and your faith being stretched, it almost turns them away from him. Yeah. And I just really think that once transparency is truly prioritized in the church, not not performance, but transparency, you'll start to see a shift in even the people who are just joining church or um, just beginning a, a relationship with God. Because that's what happened with me. What made me oh, want to have a strong relationship with God was the fact that leaders were being yeah. transparent about their relationship with him. Yeah. And I, at that point, I didn't no longer... Um, I didn't anticipate some perfect process. I anticipated, I I anticipated warfare, honestly. Yeah. So and encounters too. So. Yeah, I I've, I've had a lot of encounters myself, to be honest. But um, no, I really think, as you said, what you said is really key. Um, two things that I believe transparency does: transparency teaches, and transparency earns trust. And I say that because when you're transparent with someone, you then teach them how to be transparent. You know, because transparency looks like a scary thing until you see someone do it. And when they do it, it's like, wow, they've just told me all their information, all their background, all the things that they've gone through. Wow. Now it gives me leeway to be able to now be transparent with you too. And transparent, as I said, also brings trust because once someone can be transparent with you, automatically it's like trust just comes in there because because as someone is transparent with you you realize wow they trust me with their business they they trust me with the things that they've said to me and they didn't have to be so real but they chose to be so real so yeah. that's why as well i believe transparency is so key because it teaches and it trusts so how different was your alone time after your purpose and your mental were introduced to you uh i remember <laughs> i remember the, the first the first day after my mantle was introduced to me i remember i was in my living room and <laughs> i remember i think i was watching tv and i thought about the spirit of god coming to the room will come over me and tell me to pray now pray and i have to be honest with you at the present time i couldn't be bothered to pray i couldn't i was watching the tv i was comfortable i thought oh i'd do it a bit later but i felt it so heavy so then i started to um, I turned off the TV, I put some worship music on just to meditate and then I started to pray and then I started to sing and I, as I was praying and it was actually a William McDowell song saying show me your face and as I started to sing it's like something came over me and made me bow in a position which I didn't intend to just go on my knees to bow it was literally like something made me bow as I was doing it and I started to cry I started really just to cry and just, um, just be, I was praising God, I was praising, I was sweating, I was <laughs> crying. And I realized that at that present, afterwards, after the time, that God was just really sanctifying me. And I never had any experiences of that once um, I, was, I was called before, like in my own time. If I was at church and someone 
pray for me, etc., then maybe. But in my own time, I never had encounters like that. Mm-hmm. I never forget as well, I was sleeping in, in uh, my living room at the time because I must have fell asleep. And I woke up to a voice, let alone I was home alone at this point. I woke up to a voice saying, soldier of humility. And it woke me up like straight away. As soon as I heard soldier of humility, it woke me up. And I didn't hear it in my heart or in my head. It was a literal voice said soldier of humility. Like I heard the voice. I got up. I literally searched around my house. I was frightened. I was scared. I looked out my blinds, out the curtains, because I was like, is someone in this house? Because that was, that was genuinely scary. And then I realized, I took a step back and I thought, hold on, did, did God just speak to me? Did God just, was that God, soldier of humility? And, um... Yeah, that, 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 that was scary. Hearing, hearing that voice was, was scarier because I didn't expect it. But um, yeah, man, I've, had, I've had encounters of, um, like, of me being lifted up. Um, encounters of me being lifted up like above the earth um, to see certain countries. And it, I've been taken under the ocean to see certain uh, working factories, like demonic factories working underneath the ground in the ocean. Um, I never forget where I went to sleep one time and God literally took me uh, down, down to the ocean and we went right down into this certain part and he, it's like he froze everything which was around and it was like he showed me all these different types of, of demons in the sea. He showed me all these water spirits in the sea and I'll never forget, I could move, but it's like they couldn't move but their eyes could move. And I saw the hatred in their eyes and it literally was like they wanted to kill me and they hated me. And I'll never forget that because the first thing when I woke up wasn't the fact that, oh, wow, I had an encounter with um, Jesus. I didn't see his face, but I saw his hand grab me. But it was more of, wow, the hatred in these demons' eyes. And I think that's another thing that's grown as I've learned more about myself in, in the prophetic and as a prophet is that I hate demons and i have a passion um to get people delivered from their de- from demons from from mental blocks from issues i just hate demons i really do i really do i love setting people free if that's with a prophetic word if that's by prophesying if that's by uh, a moment of healing i just hate demons and that's one thing that my call like really as i've grown my relationship with god um is one thing that i know that i'm i'm called to deliver people out so yeah I just want to say that I hate demons as well. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> Something that you really that really starts to burn inside of you. The stronger mm. your relationship gets with God, the stronger you hate anything that represents the enemy. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to know because I I see that like you just have such a like you say you just have such a strong love for people and yeah. um, them experiencing freedom. Um, so yeah. I would like to know what was your warfare like? Because I know that the type of authority that you have in those areas, I know that had to come at the expense of your peace. And, yeah. <laughs> and you having um, any type of serenity. I know you went through warfare. So what was that like? Well, so the warfare, uh, oh man. Yo, listen, this, the path to freedom will always bring warfare. And as, as you're um, asking a question about my, um, my love for people, what warfare does that bring? It brings a lot. Um, you know, there's times where 
there's times where I feel like I'm so misunderstood naturally by people because of the love that I have. If I feel like I'm misunderstood, and once you're misunderstood, you feel like you don't belong. So first, it came to a point where I had to understand, as obviously the Bible says, I'm in this world, but I'm not from this world. So it's like I'm here to be misunderstood. I'm part of a kingdom that is misunderstood because this kingdom is not from this place. It's from it's from heaven. It's from it's from out of earth. So now this kingdom is coming to this earth domain. Now I've came, come into this place, I need to learn and I had to learn that being misunderstood means that I'm on the right track. Being misunderstood means that I'm walking in glory. Being misunderstood for the right reasons for me to say means, you know, that, that I'm doing things well. But the warfare was a lot. I had, I had so many, I guess this goes back to the encounters. I remember, you know, as I spoke about the good encounters, I had, I've had encounters where I had visitations. So I remember I had a dream as I was walking down the road. And as I was walking down this road, there was a car following me. And uh, in the car was actually um, a woman. And I looked, in, I looked in the car and my spirit knew in the dream who it was. And I turned around and said, are you Jezebel? And she said, yes, I am. And she got out the car and I carried on walking. And as I was walking, I was saying, anyway, Jezebel, you're going to die anyway. Jezebel, you have no power. Jezebel, you have no authority. And as I was walking, saying that in the dream, she laughed and she said, that's what you think. And then she told me what I'm going to do is spread rumors, spread gossip, and I'm going to get you to the point where you would want to kill yourself. And at that point, I am going to kill you. And uh, I, mean, I, forget, I never forget she had a phone call and she, and she got off the phone. She said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go mess up someone else's life and then I'm going to come back for you. Don't go anywhere. And, you know, there was certain, I woke up and it, it just shows again, like there's certain demonic forces that are literally here to take your life. And, you know, there's so much, it wasn't easy me having that dream. It wasn't uh, a pleasant thing. It wasn't a good thing at all. It was a thing where at first it tried to bring fear. And I remember I called my, my apostle straight away and we just got on the phone and, he rang, he rang me and we just started to pray and, you know, we, you know, we just took all the lies basically out what, what was said in the dream from Jezebel and stuff. But, you know, the, warf the warfare is strong. Um, yeah, the that's, that's one of many. That's one, that's one of, of many that I've had. But, um, yeah, the, war the warfare is strong. You really have to hold your own peace. There's so many times you hear people, like even me in, in times that I felt like, like in the past that, oh man, I'm, I'm depressed or, oh, I feel low or all, all these mental blocks, all these mental issues that you feel like you have just, just because of um, the calling, the purpose that you have. And um, yeah, I guess for me, there was a lot of warfare in that area. And I know even for other people, like you've heard so many people talk about how they wanted to cure themselves and suicide. And, you know, um, it's, it all comes with the pressure of it. It comes to the pressure of the calling because it makes you think sometimes, am I able? Because God has called you and God has called me, but he hasn't called us to, in our perfect state. He's called us in the state of imperfection so we can reach a state of perfection. So as we go through this journey with Christ, even you have your own mental warfare, when you feel like to yourself, am I good enough? Am I strong enough to overcome this? Am I able to actually help people uh, when I don't feel like I can get help? There's, there's so many different questions that, um, come over yourself and one thing I learned about warfare is um, if you're your worst enemy the devil doesn't have to be because there's a lot of times where we really are so hard on ourselves because we don't understand grace and we don't understand mercy 
and we don't understand how different our processes are meant to actually go. Um, so that even brings its own level of warfare. You just not knowing who you are. You just not understanding grace or understanding mercy. As the Bible said, people perish by a lack of knowledge. If you don't have the knowledge of grace, the knowledge of mercy, or the knowledge of why Jesus died on the cross in the first place, then that lack of knowledge will lead you to a perished state. So that also brings along its own warfare as well. Yes, I really believe that people should have, I, I think they should have moments where they, kind of like assess their relationship with God, especially if they claim to have one with him, because yeah. there are so many aspects of God that rescue people out of those moments of like mental anguish and warfare and things like that. And I think that because anxiety and depression and heaviness has become so normalized in our society, it's almost yeah. like it's, it's better or easier to sit in that and just accept, oh, I'm unworthy, or I, I can't, or I'm unable, I'm never going to make it, rather than going to God and realizing that he, he has a level of grace and mercy just for moments like this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, oh, go ahead. Oh, go on, sorry. Oh, you can go. Okay, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, um, just, just on the back of that, as you were saying, like, like we, we, proclaim as as christians that god is our healer but we believe we can't get healed we proclaim that god is the deliverer but we we believe that sometimes our situations are bigger than what god can actually do you know there's so many times where we actually we actually realize that we actually speak so much more than we actually believe in our hearts and you have to come to a place where you are so real with yourself where if if you aren't even at a place where you feel like god i don't believe that you can you can um heal this or you can heal me or god i can't see it it's better you communicate that and it's better you be honest with that because then you're being honest one with yourself and two you're being honest with god if you're saying to god i know you can do it but to other people you're saying man i don't know how i'm going to do it then that just shows the backwards and the perversion that's already gone on in your mind but i'll tell you a little testimony of um uh, me in, a, in america there was uh obviously i'm in america right now for people who don't know and I'm actually studying a school and for me to actually go into this school, I had to raise money to be in this school. Mm -hmm. And uh, in my second year, which I'm in now, I had to pay around $4,000. So I knew this four or five months prior before coming to America. I flew to America um, and I had like two months to pay the money. I, I had um, dreams and I had people confirm it through prophecy that God was going to take care of my school, that I would not have to pay a thing. So as I'm here in America and days are ticking, the, the deadline day is approaching. I'm here literally just praying, just believing. I'm trying my best to try and get finances because the Bible says faith without works is dead. You can't just, just sit there, do nothing, expect God to do it. I understand the concept of it. I understand the concept of it, but it, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. Bible says faith about works is dead. So I was trying, I was working, I was doing all these things to try and gain some money, but the money was just way too much for me to get. So I get, came to a point where there was uh, seven days to go. And even though I said I was working and stuff, I was never worried. I was just doing my part as the Bible told me to do. I always knew that God was going to show up, but there was seven days to go and uh, six days, then five days. And I remember I had a meeting with this pastor that's over here. And uh, the next day uh, we went to church and he basically just prayed and he told me to stand up and he said, Otis needs this 
and watch some money. Let's pray that God will do it. Straight after the service, people came up to me saying, I want to pay for your school. I want to pay you. I want to give you thousands. And even after the people that actually paid for my school, I had more people coming up still wanting to sell money into me. So, it, so literally, like, <laughs> it just shows that if you really believe that God is your, um, God is the one that's going to provide, God is your provider. You can't be speaking negatively. I really believe the fuel for me was me continuously believing in the words that were spoken. For me continuously believing in what is written in the Bible, the living word. For me continuously believing that it's not coming from me. It's coming from God. If God said that he is going to do it, he will do it. It's not that God has said that um, God said that he's going to do it, so I'm going to do it. No, but that's a pressure that we as people, we put on ourselves. When we hear God is going to do it or this is going to happen, we believe that we, have, we do it all by ourselves. But that's not how it works in a relationship in a relationship it's a two-way thing as long as you put all your power all your energy into one thing god will put his supernatural power into another we say that god you are the way maker you are the miracle worker you make a way when there is no way which means why are you worrying if there's so many things that go on in your life and you claim that god is your healer and your deliverer and your peace and even if you don't feel at that moment we speak in faith and we believe in the things that we can't see as faith is the evidence of things that we can't see so it's like there's so many things where I believe that we are backwards. There's so many things that um, I believe we as Christians need to believe firm, firmly and more stronger on the word of God and not just rely on prophecies because I really believe there's a lot of people in now in societies that really just want a prophecy. I uh, want a prophet, yeah, prophecies from someone and will go from that prophecy instead of reading the word and seeing all these testimonies that he done for David, for Moses, for Joseph, for Abraham, for Isaac, for Jacob. Because if that God is still alive from there to now, then the same things can happen and even greater. So I really believe that as people, we need to start believing more on what God still can do and not that he's left it alone. God is the provider. God is the healer. God is the deliverer. He will see you out. You just have to stay faithful to him. And that doesn't mean you won't make mistakes because that's where there's grace and that's where there's mercy. That's why Jesus died on the cross because he knew you were going to make mistakes. We, wouldn't, we all fall short of the glory of God. That's why he had to die on the cross. So I really believe that we just need to make our actions and our words and our faith all line up into one. I agree. I agree. I agree. You just literally preached the whole sermon <laughs> <laughs> in like two minutes, but that was that was so true. Um, but yes, I, I think that people are have grown to be extremely, especially of this generation, they've grown to be extremely lazy <laughs> and not yeah. to be you know bogus, but. Um, just looking at just comparing our generation to uh, what I've read in the word of God, yeah. um, the way people endured and endured and endured and prayed and endured and did all that they had to do to position themselves to experience the manifestation of God's word. Like compared to now, it's just, I, I don't know where we get lost. Like we went from literally posturing ourselves before God offering sacrifices, waiting on him to move on our behalf to now not even praying, just saying, oh, I need this from God. But at the same mm -hmm. time, going to psychics or going to these different people to get a quick um, word about what our, what our future looked like. And then just sitting even on that, not even working toward that. So I don't yeah. know where we got lost in between time, but the priorities need to shift. You know what, I, if, even when you said that, I really believe that we get lost in the waiting. 
it's in the waiting where we get lost because I'll tell you this, when we first get saved, when we first get what we want, when we first get these particular things, we have a passion, we have a zeal, we have an energy that we just really want to go through it as, as, uh, as much as we can. Even mentally, our mental strength becomes stronger and all these things happen. But as time goes on and now you have to wait for things, that's when now the impatient comes. That's when now we lose the hope and lose the faith because let's be honest, a lot of us are spoiled in life. A lot of us um, have things that we shouldn't even have growing up even from parents or different things. And, you know, there's, there's just this thing that we... We expect that things shall come in the timing of when we want it. We expect that uh, I deserve this now or I want this now. So why isn't it happening? And we lose hope and we lose all those things. And even the Bible confirms that as uh, Moses was taking the Israelites through and through and they even built an idol when Moses went away for a short time. Because why? They built an idol because they had to wait. They, they didn't understand the, the art of waiting. It's in the waiting where the manifestation starts to come. It's in the waiting where the training is happening. It's in the waiting where the, the bad stuff in you, like, for example, I really believe that in that waiting period, the Israelites had a choice. They had a choice whether to, oh, these, these thoughts are coming. These actions are coming. What do I do with these thoughts? Do I, do I uh, have these thoughts and give it unto God, the God that has just uh, split the Red Sea, the God that's delivered us from Egypt. You know, they saw so much power of God that we don't even see this day and age. But because they had to wait, they still lost it. So in our day and age, and we're not necessarily seeing the power of God as it was in the Bible, even though I say that I really believe there's going to be a revival of the power of God and we will see those Old Testament miracles. And that's my heart's desire to see the Old Testament, the Old Testament miracles, signs and wonders again in this, this generation, this day and age, which I believe will happen. But as I was saying, it's, it was if they can lose their hope, lose their, um, their zeal in the waiting, then of course we will as time goes on in our generation. People just need to learn how to... How to rely on the word of god and just to step it up man boy <laughs> truly truly attest to that i did not know that you can receive prophetic words out of season like yeah. i could especially when i first got saved uh the, i was told that you know all of these things would manifest in these different areas and i was looking for them to take place at least within the next month <laughs> and so I started That's... to change my behavior and change the way I talked to kind of prepare myself for this manifestation. And then yeah. when it didn't come, that literally discouraged me so much so that I took a vacation from my relationship with God. Yeah. And, but what I needed to at least do, what I realized now is what I need to do was to pray. And first of all, thank God that he saw fit to to see whatever he saw within me and to allow me to experience that, but to also ask him for instruction. You know, is that word for this season or is that word for next season? How do I prepare for that? What do I do while I'm here right now? You know, it's yeah. just, you should continue to seek. The, the seek, even in the waiting, should be consistent and diligent. You should continue mm. to seek and seek and seek even after the manifestation comes because all the while you're going to need God. You should always stay in communication with God that that's 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 humility yeah and and even with that like there's so many times where I even look back and I remember having certain prophetic words and when there wasn't happening in the time frame that I thought that was happening as you said like you take a local vacation you take a holiday you you uh <laughs> you get so frustrated with God but yeah. the backwards thing is you get frustrated with God because of your own insecurity 
It's your own insecurities which make you frustrated with God. How can we be frustrated with God if God's a perfect God and, and we know that he loves us and everything that he does is for us and we know that he does everything in perfect time. If we know that God does everything perfectly in perfect time and it will, it will definitely be good when it comes, why do we get upset with God when we know that he does everything perfect? Right. It doesn't. It, you know what I'm saying? It, it doesn't. It doesn't naturally make sense. But it shows that we we aren't angry at God because of what God is doing. Who God is? We are angry at God because it shows our own insecurities. Yep. It shows who we are at the present time because there's a lot of us that think we are this person until uh, an argument happens and you see, rough or I doubt with that anger, or you know, you think you're a giver because you give so much until God tells you to give a certain level of stuff, and you're like, well, okay, well, I ain't there yet, you know, and you know, as I said, everything happens in, in God's perfect timing. And, and if you can trust in that, and if you can believe in that, and we don't have a, I don't, I don't feel like we shouldn't have an expectation. Just don't put a date on it, unless God gives you a specific date. Have an expectation of when you would like it, when you'd want it. But if it doesn't, you just continue going until it happens. If you really believe that the word was from God and that the word's going to manifest, then you have to fully in your heart understand and know that it will come to pass. And if it hasn't come to pass yet, it's going to come pass in the perfect timing where I'm not going to fall. Because if I had it right now, then I know that something's going to go wrong. And I, I never forget where, obviously, I aspire to be a professional footballer as I'm still going um, on the journey. I remember where I used to look up to people who are from my city, Birmingham, and they were just thriving and they were my age. And I thought, wow, I really wanted to be like them. Or wow, um, I just want to um, be like them now. Why hasn't it happened to me now? And a few years later, I realized they're not even playing no more. A few years later, I realized that no club wants them anymore. And these were the people that I wanted to be like because I started to compare myself with their timing, not knowing that God has preserved my timing for a specific date. Because when that specific date happens, glory comes. And I realized that if I keep comparing uh, myself to, to um, other people because of what, what um, they've got, listen, it would just cause disaster for your own life. Yeah. I don't even know how I got into comparison, but compa yeah, I, I just flow left, right, center. Comparison, just, just yeah, just don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of expectations did you have about life as a prophet? Like after the Lord confirmed for you that that was your mantle, what, what kind of expectations did you have? Or did you have any regarding what your life would be like? Um. Okay, so even before I found out about my mantle, I always got told that I'm going to nations and different things like that. So I was just always like, or that I'm going to be, you know, a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of tests, a lot of prophecies. So I was really like, okay, if I'm going to nations, why am I, how or what am I going to do to go to these nations? And, you know, being, then knowing that I was a prophet, or, you know, uh, yeah, going to a prophet, it was like, okay, so what, what am I going to do? Because the people in the Bible, they had to do some things. Okay. And it's like, it's like, yo, when people have to lie on their side for a year or, you know, people have to do certain things just for the, the call. I'm thinking, okay, God, like, you know, what, what, what is my life going to look like? Because, you know, I can have an expectation of um, me just flowing in the, okay. And, you know, thank you. That's another thing. I feel like when we first think of the, the prophet and stuff, the first thing we think about is the gifts that come with it, the giftings and stuff like that. So I think maybe when I first envisioned what it would be like to be a prophet or what would my calling be, 
it was more of the gifting side. It was the good side. It was the helping people. It was the helping people with a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom and a prophecy. And, you know, it was all the encouragement and the love of God. And just, I guess it was all that, that I was thinking of not really looking at the other side. Like we can look at Apostle Paul, for example, he was someone who, you know, helped so many people and, you know, changed so many people's perspective and saved so many people's lives. But so many things he had to go through with being locked up and, you know, being burned and all, all these different stuff. So, you know, that side, you know, you just don't know the level of natural warfare, which is obviously spiritual, but naturally you just, you just don't know. But, um, you know, you just have to, I guess you have to come to an acceptance. You have to come to an acceptance that whatever comes my way, you know, Jesus says, you know, in the Bible that, you know, pick up your cross and follow me. And, you know, I'm following someone who got beat with a nine tail whip, you know, how many times, you know, I'm getting someone who, Jesus who got uh, mocked, who got humiliated, who got, um, he probably was discouraged as he was a hundred percent man. There were so many emotions that probably was going through him, you know, being, under, being misunderstood. And he is the general image that we should look to. And, you know, in the, he but even says, they hate you because they first hated me. And there's so many things that even if you look at Jesus' life, I feel like we have to expect a certain level of warfare just because Jesus showed us the way and he showed us how to live and he lived a perfect life doing no wrong and he still got all the warfare he did. So imagine living a life and doing wrong, how much more warfare are we going to get? So, uh, you know, I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> no, it, it, it didn't answer the question. But I, and I also agree with you that, first of all, I would much rather experience persecution because of my relationship with God rather than experience of persecution because I'm out here doing stupid stuff. Because yeah. at least in the relationship with God, there is fruit after that mm-hmm. persecution. Yep. And that just reminds me of just the story of Daniel and the Hebrew boys who were in uh who were thrown into the furnace. Yeah. And while while in it, it came that that last figure that ended up walking with them and i just want people to know that in those moments where it just seems like everything is overwhelming and you are in the persecution you're in the thick of it you are not in it alone yeah and 100 yeah you are not in it alone and you don't have to find it in your own strength to try to survive it mm. the per- those are the perfect moments for the lord's strength to be placed upon you and you wouldn't be surviving it. You'll be thriving through it. And I think that that's something that we can really witness by hearing your story uh, and whoever will listen to your story. Just the fact that I feel like you've experienced just a, a lot of warfare, both natural and spiritual. Yeah. And, and, you know, by the grace of God, you were able to hold on to your faith. No, even if it was diminishing at some point, you were able to hold on to it and see just the fruit of your labor in these different areas. Just even you just being in America, like yeah. you probably had no idea how you were going to get to America. No anyway. idea. But you made it. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that is a testament to what faith and and leaning on God, what that can do for your life. And especially yeah. for uh, you know, like a young prophet like yourself. You know, God God is gonna always place some very what what will seem like some very uh overwhelming like standards on you and uh reveal to you some very like what seems like far-fetched 
um, mm. events that might happen in your life. But with your faith, you're gonna you're gonna see it. You're gonna see yeah. it. No, for real. And yeah. I feel like as even as you said about even the coming to America thing, I didn't plan to come here. It wasn't my uh, dream to come here. It literally started with a prophetic word and the prophetic word said, God is sending you to America. And then I started having dreams about America. And then my apostle then said and confirmed that you're going to America. But he was specific with the date. He said, you're going in August. And at this point, it was January. So... At this point, I'm still thinking, yo, I have no plans to go to this country or this place. Like, mm -hmm. how how was this going to happen? And you know, uh, but when he, when the word was confirmed twice, I thought, okay, you know what? I don't know how it's going to happen, but I believe it because God, you said it. And you know, there was contracts that came up with football shortly after, which came up out of the blue, and you know, they folded and it didn't work out. And which what I thought was my way to America just died on me. And at this point, it's like March. Um, April and I have people saying to me wow you planned all this to go to America and now you're not going so what are you going to do now and my, my, my literal response even to family members my literal response was I didn't say I'm not going God said it so it will happen I don't know how but it will happen my, my, even my mom was like how are you going to get the finances mm -hmm. <laughs> I, said, I, don't, I don't know but if God said it he will provide it and obviously I'm just at this point you know a young person trying to be in my mom's eyes probably just uh you know he's very passionate he's how he's got the faith you know you know but bless him i don't want him to get his heart broken or anything like that but literally i, I believe because god said it, it will happen and even me coming to america i had to pay for certain things like my visa and stuff but you know how i actually got here was there was a person i met in jamaica on holiday and she just randomly asked me around march like how how are you what's going on and um i told her and I told what recently happened with the contracts breaking down and she basically said to me, do you know what I do? And I said, no. And she goes, I actually recruit people from uh, out the countries or even in the countries to come and study at this place and they can play football here as well. So it was literally through someone that I met for a week or two, a week in Jamaica was the same person a year later or two years later that God actually used to bring me to the country. So honestly, connections are so important i met this person once for a week and this same person who i didn't know if i was ever going to see or speak again was the same person that god used to bring me into the country and yep. there were certain people even from america who didn't even know me that paid for me to come because they said that i sounded like a nice lad or i sounded like a nice young man mm -hmm. and because of that i really didn't have to pay to come here god was faithful and i came to america so faith really is and not it's not an easy thing I'm not going to lie and say it's an easy thing. It's a hard thing, but it is worth it. You know, the waiting might be hard, but if you stand firm on that waiting process, when the manifestation comes, it is such a beautiful thing and it just makes your faith increase and it makes your relationship with God just go stronger because now, you know, it's only till when you see something happen, uh, if someone gives you your word and then they, let's say that someone said, ah, oh, you, you want to go out to eat and then... Um, you, you holler them, say, remember you said we're going to go out to eat? And then they actually do what they said they're going to do. Then your trust grows stronger with that person. And it's the same thing with God. And yeah. my trust just grew with God and faith just increasing. And, you know, it, the faith thing gets harder and harder in challenges. But in knowing if God's going to do it, it just gets easier and easier. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think that was the perfect way to conclude this interview. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, I I enjoyed this interview. Thank you for having me. Well, yeah, I think just you, you hit the nail on the head just talking about the 
the power of faith. And all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed. Just believe, at least believe in that what God said he would do, he's going to do it because he is not a man that he shall lie. And if exactly. you look at his track record, not only in your life, but in the lives of the people in the word of God, you will see that he has never failed anybody he was in relationship with. Yeah. Even in people he who did not want to have a relationship with him, he still <laughs> yeah. showed himself strong and friendly in their lives. Yeah. And so I really hope that who's ever listening to this, that you will be able to, that you will see that what Otis has talked about today, that is something that it wasn't an easy process, but he's still alive. And it's yeah. a testimony. And it's showing you that if you would just trust in God and lean on him and remain in covenant with him, you will start to see the fruit of that. Mm. You will start to feel not only just an internal transformation, but you will see a transformation even in your surroundings, external. Yeah. It, but it all it all starts with having faith and trusting in God. And so, um, yeah, Otis, what is that anything that we can expect um, from you? You know, any events or any projects you're working on? Just, you know, something that people can look forward to. Okay, so at this present time, I'm... Um... I'm actually trying to, I'm actually building this business. I'm building my own business, um, which actually uh, is similar uh, to this. I'm interviewing people. I'm going to do my own videos, my own Bible studies. Um, I've already started that, to be fair, on my Instagram page and my Facebook page. It's literally just my name, Otis Reynolds, but it's Otis with two T's and not one T because my mum was extra. But if you uh, just follow my Instagram and Facebook, you know, there'll be more videos that will come out and, you know, I, who knows what God's going to do with me, but listen, you will all know me very soon. Trust me on that one. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. Facebook, Instagram, Otis Reynolds. So, yeah. I will be tagging you uh, in the description of this post once I, once I edit this interview and put it on my Instagram. I'm going to yeah. tag you so that people can know where to go. I appreciate that. So again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Very, very, very good, as I expected. It just felt like one of the conversations we normally have. Um, yeah. But Literally. it also helped me to see you in a, in a different light. So I'm grateful for this. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me again, honestly. I, anytime you need me, Jay, you know I'm there. Likewise. Likewise. <laughs> but okay. So, again, thank you, everybody, for listening. And be sure to tune in next week i will reveal the guest for next week on my instagram seven keys management underscore all right everybody until next time bye <laughs>